Town. And this week for Around Town, Thomas Laddie will be talking to the Gooda Brothers about a perfectly nonsensical show, apparently, that they will be bringing to Hong Kong this September. You can keep on listening to find out more about the perfect nonsense. You're talking to Robert Goodale and... And I'm David Goodale, and I'm Robert's older brother, so actually I should really have started, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, we're here to talk about uh, something coming to Hong Kong very soon. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Basically, what is coming to Hong Kong is a show that Bobby, Roberts and I wrote um, about four years ago um, based on a P.G. Woodhouse novel called The Code of the Worcesters. And what we've done with this show is take it to, for people who are familiar with Jeeves and Worcester, we've taken it really to another level. And, and, and I think what we, what we have is a show which is, is much more 21st century than anything else that's been done with Jeeves and Worcester that we're aware of. Um, and it's a farce within a farce, really. P.G. Woodhouse wrote you know, the most delicious um, comic novels, but we've taken it one stage further and produced what is effectively a play within a play um, or a farce within a farce. The way that we've done it is that it is Jeeves and Worcester putting on a show about Jeeves and Worcester. Now, you know, there have been many, many plays within plays over the years, going right back to Shakespeare, of course, when he did Midsummer Night's Dream, having the mechanicals putting on a show. Um, so it follows that kind of vein, but the fact is that you have got this wonderful double act, which, which P.G. Woodhouse created, and we are utilising the double act in order to create the play within the play. I suspect that some people in Hong Kong may not be familiar with what what Jeeves and Worcester is. Well, I think one of the things about Jeeves and Worcester is that, you know, there are, across the world, there are probably millions of devotees of Jeeves and Worcester, but equally, you know, there are a lot of people who come to it completely fresh. Um, and you don't need to know anything about Jeeves and Worcester to come and see the show, but just to give you, a, just to give you the sort of basic characters, um, Jeeves is... A gentleman's gentleman. Some people might refer to him as a butler. He's not a butler. But he's a, a, he, he is a valet, essentially. And he is the valet to a young um, upper-class twit in the 1920s, possibly 1930s, called Bertie Worcester, who is a charming... Um, he's a charming idiot, basically. He hasn't got a bad bone in his body, um, but he's... Um, but he blusters through, and Jeeves is always there as his sort of minder, and he gets him out of endless scrapes. Um, Bertie can be completely indiscreet, whereas Jeeves is about, you know, he is the epitome of discretion, really. Um, so it is ostensibly about the relationship between the two characters, but that doesn't mean to say there aren't a whole world of other characters that, um, that they are they're interacting with. Um, and all these characters are slightly larger than life, um, and they range from uh, wannabe fascist dictators to um, domineering aunts to soupy, sentimental girls who've um, had their eye on... Um, it is a world that never really existed. But it's still based on a world that did exist. And, uh, and there were those type of people, particularly at the beginning of the, the last century, um, like Bertie Worcester, who somehow you know, were part of the aristocracy.
aristocracy or part of the, the, the upper classes and had a huge legacy but no brain to work out what to do with the money that they had. And um, what always happens in the Jeeves and Worcester novels and what happens in our show is that Bertie will, because he's got such a good nature, he will always be trying to do his best for other people. And by doing his best for other people, he was, will always get himself in a complete tangle. And as David said, Jeeves, um, because uh, he elevates himself above the situation, will always be the person to find a way to get him out of the, 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 the tangle that he's got into. Um, and with our show, we are not only presenting that story, but we are presenting Bertie trying to do a show about himself um, and falling flat on his face and having Jeeves putting him out of it. So uh, the two things are working uh, very neatly alongside each other. Okay. Uh, do you think you could tell us a bit about the, the setting of the show? When and where is this show set? I mean, I've got, I'm, I'm getting the feeling it's British. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so the, the, the show is British. The conceit of the show, so the, the, the conceit of the show is that Bertie, egged on by one of his young upper-class twits friends at his gentleman's club, um, has decided... <clears throat> or has been convinced that he's such a brilliant raconteur that he should hire a theatre, which he has the financial wherewithal to do, and stand up on stage and perform a sort of one-man show based on one of his stories. Um, and so essentially we've set it in the 1930s. The, the books were actually written over a long period of time, but are now usually seen through the sort of lens of the, the you know, 1930s England and the action moves the action of the story moves between London and, and a country house in Gloucestershire um, but because it's a play within a play it's also about what's going on in the theatre at, at, at the time so um, um, so you're very conscious in the audience that this poor young man is desperately trying to engage with the audience and, and, and tell his story without really having any knowledge of stagecraft so um, so it's there that um, Jeeves, his faithful valet, and a butler friend of Jeeves come in to save the day and end up, without giving too much away, they end up playing a lot of the other characters in the, in the story as well as themselves. Was it your idea, uh, your group brother's idea, to uh, set the play within a play idea? I'm guessing this is a new take on a Jeeves and Worcester story. It is, and, what the, and actually the, the, the simple history of it is that about 25 years ago, Bobby did a one-man show at the Edinburgh Festival based on the same book, and it was and it was extremely successful. In this in, in this one-man show, he played all the parts. He um, because the books are written in as if by Bertie Wooster, so they're narrated as if by Bertie Wooster. So it was a perfect vehicle for Bobby to come on stage to, as Bertie Wooster, the narrator, transform himself into Bertie, the character, and then transform himself seamlessly into Jeeves, Aunt Dahlia, Roderick Spoe, the mad fascist wannabe dictator. Um, and our producer friend of ours, who was involved with the, with the show in Edinburgh, asked me about five years ago whether I thought that Bobby would be interested in, in reviving the one-man show. And I, I was a bit... He said time had had an effect on my appearance and I would no longer be credible. <laughs> 
Is there going to be a test at the end of the show with prizes for uh, audience members that got the whole plot, maybe? <laughs> uh, um, I have to say that quite a lot of people that, that I know who've seen the show four or five times and have loved it every time they've seen it have stood there scratching their heads and gone, I still don't quite understand who was who or what, was, what they were trying to achieve. But actually that isn't... You know, somehow that, that you know one can get away with that. It, it doesn't leave. It, it doesn't leave you frustrated. You might go, Do you know, I really want to see that again. A because it was very funny, and B because I'm going to try and work out what relationship these characters had to each other and who was trying to stop who from doing what. Um, so yes, it becomes a fast and furious show. So you, you would be completely excused at the end for not being completely on top of the plot and on top. It would be a big prize for anybody who could um, who could tell you exactly what was going on. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know how much involvement you have with the production of the show, but perhaps you could tell us a bit about the talent involved and and where they're from and and how they contribute to your uh, perform the performance itself. Um, well, Bobby Bobby is is part of the talent. Bobby mm-hmm. is uh, Bobby plays um, the third unnamed kind character, one, and, and his name isn't in the title. Um, he plays uh, an aging butler called Seppings, um, and we have two um, younger actors who are not household names in in Hong Kong yet, but hopefully will be by the time we've finished. Uh, we've got um, a man called Joseph Chance, um, an incredibly talented actor who plays Jeeves, um, and a man called Matthew Carter, um, who is playing Bertie. And Matthew Carter is, I keep saying to his embarrassment, he is the Bertiest Bertie that we've ever had. There is something about him that you actually believe that in his time off he could be Bertie. Oh, well, also, um, the, the, the person who directed it originally, I mean, David is directing the tour, but the person who directed it originally um, uh, is just, you know, one of, one of the, the, the comic geniuses of, uh, of our time. What he has done with the show is he's taken all our ideas and turned them into wonderful, wonderful, or realised the physical comedy behind all of the ideas that we present him with um, uh, and not only that but he's also brought his wife on board to be the designer and again so many people have said to me that is the funniest set I have ever ever seen in my life um, so um, part of the joy of the show is that it was just a meeting of minds and a meeting of all sorts of different talent um, which came together and worked and didn't work against each other it worked with each other um, and it was just one of those wonderful moments where you just go that is fantastic it's all everyone has contributed you know down to the producers the stage managers the actors um us the 
director, the designer, everyone has contributed and, and made the thing the success that it's, it, it has ultimately become. And I think there's another an important thing to say, which is I, I think you know, it's possible that people might imagine that because it's set in the 1930s and it's all about you know, the, sort of the upper classes in the 1930s, that there is going to be something slightly staid about it. And, you know, and that couldn't be further, further from the truth. The way the, show has, the, the way the show has developed, it is a completely sort of fast and furious piece of lunacy, and it moves at an incredible pace. One of the interesting things that we, we have discovered is that Woodhouse himself wrestled with the idea of trying to turn, it into, trying to turn this book into a play, and he sort of beat himself up and went, I can't see how I can make, you know, make this a play. And I, because, can I just interrupt yes. that? Yes, because what he was doing was trying to make it into a drawing room comedy. Uh, and, and this is the opposite of that. This, this is slapstick, this is physical comedy, this is um, vaudeville, it's pantomime, as I said before. Um, so we, we, we have turned it into, into a completely different genre to um, what you would imagine most people would want to do with Jeeves and Worcester. Okay. Well, it sounds like an exciting, fun, funny show, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it coming. <laughs> great, sure, uh, great. Yeah, yeah, you guys have convinced me, and I'm sure you convinced everyone listening to this interview as well. All right, then, well, very, thank you very much for speaking with me today, and uh, good luck with your travels and shows.